0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross.
1: It's great just to hear. That's our second global trip this year. The first one was a virtual one to Morocco, and then this one, and we've got two more coming up this year. We really do believe a global trip is a great time where we set aside our normal routines and things that we've got going on in life, and it's amazing how often missions God's called in the world moves from our head to our heart in those opportunities when we come face to face with those in need, those who need the Lord Jesus, those who have more uh, tangible needs maybe than we have. And it's uh, such a blessing to get outside of our lives here and want to say thanks to uh, Pastor Trevor and all of our students that went on that trip. It's a great time. Also, I want to say thanks. Yesterday, we were in the Panoprog Parade. I think there was over 60 of us that were walking in that parade. We gave out 23,000 pieces of Candy yesterday. It was a lot of candy, and um, they took some pictures, some interesting ones. They're making their way online already, and uh, we're doing that. But uh, thanks for being a light in this community, celebrating what God's doing here in Lakeville. Also, want to say thank you to Pastor Josiah, who was on the drums today, but he preached last week. Are you appreciative of that word that he brought last week? We thank the Lord for that. God's gifting on his life. What a great part of our team, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. Well, uh, my name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. I was on vacation last week with uh, my family down in Branson, Missouri, and it was hot. It was like 99 degrees plus humidity, so I think my phone said feels like 104, but it felt hotter than that because uh, we were out on the, the blacktop, and anyway, so good to be back. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm going to continue our Sizzling Summer series. Uh, I want to just encourage you to come every week, but especially next week, my dad will be with us. He'll be preaching, and uh, it's always great to have my dad here, and... Um, love my parents. My dad also happens to be my pastor. And so if you'd like to blame him for anything in my life, he'll be here next week. And uh, it's a great thing. Well, if you have your Bible, you could turn to Proverbs chapter 18. If you're able, if you'd stand to your feet this morning, I'm going to preach a message that I've titled Swipe Righteous. Yeah, that's right. Uh, This is the third time I've tried to preach this message, (laughs) but COVID's gotten in the way a couple times. So uh, February, end of February 2020, I was in Nepal with a group of people. We were there on a global trip, and uh, as we came back, just made it through the airport in time, by the time I got home, they had put me in quarantine because I'd flown through India and Amsterdam, and then the world kind of shut down, right? That week after March 10th, about 12th, I was going to preach this message in our blended together family sermon series, and then church went online, uh, not by our choice, but by our instruction, and it was like that wasn't the right message for that week. The whole world was losing their mind what's going on, so Pastor Vicente preached that week, and I was like, bummer, I wanted, I really loved the title, Swy Swipe Righteous. That was awesome. And then I COVID. And so then last year, 2021, I was gonna preach uh, Sunday, Valentine's Day was on a Sunday last year, February 14th. And I thought that's the time I can preach the message, Swipe Righteous. And then what happened is the first week of February, uh, my wife and I were on some on vacation in Cabo with some people in the church, and my wife and I got COVID. Well, my wife got COVID, and I also tested positive for COVID. We're not really sure, you know. And that's when I had that in-room quarantine for 10 days, and I was like marching around the room in Mexico. And so my dad had to cancel some meetings, and he stayed here for two weeks, and he preached, and so I didn't get to preach. And so I was like, when can I preach this message? And so sizzling summer, here it is. My wife was praying so hard that I would not get COVID this week Man. because... So I've got seven points and seven pages because I've been working on it for two years. Praise the Lord. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Proverbs, it really, point number one should really be its whole own sermon, but I've added some stuff uh, today. So Proverbs 18, titled it Swipe Righteous. This is what the Bible reads in the NIV translation. It says, he who finds a wife finds what is good. Amen. That was a lot more amens from the husbands than in the first service. You know, the first service was real quiet, just like point number one. But after that, you'll be re-engaged, and it's also they receive favor from the Lord. How many people want the favor of the Lord on your life? It's evidenced in a number of ways, but one of the ways that we see in Scripture is receiving a wife. Uh, The message translation, it's not a word-for-word literal translation. Uh, Eugene Peterson said it this way. I just think it's an interesting, kind of opens it up, because this is about more than... uh, just men finding a wife. It says, find a good spouse and you find a good life. And even more, the favor of God. Also then, this is from the Passion Translation. I really don't read from it very often, but it was much more, how do I say, descriptive. (laughs) This is what this guy wrote. He said, when a man finds a wife, he has found a treasure. (laughs) For she is the gift of God to bring him joy and joy and pleasure but the one who divorces a good woman loses what is good from his house and 50% of everything he has that that wasn't that wasn't in that wasn't in the translation i read that that was the ross international version i read that into the scripture that wasn't there he says to choose an adulteress is both stupid and ungodly. As I said, more descriptive. All right, so we're going to talk about this. I got a lot more verses. We're talking about this swipe righteous here today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to gather and lift high the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for that great price that you paid for us, Lord Jesus. You communicated our worth and our value by dying for us. We say thank you that you didn't just stay dead but you were raised back to life three days later and today you're presently living and you're praying for us even now. Holy Spirit, give us all ears to hear what you're saying. Help us become more like you today. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. You may be seated. Now, I had a lot of comments and conversations in between services, and I think this message uh, feels like maybe it was overdue. A lot of great feedback on that. But this is a message that's not just for somebody that's uh, wanting to date right now or something like that. So just stick with me. I think there's something for everybody. I am going to share from this topic today from my perspective There will be some occasional uh, insights from my wife, Dana, but really this is God's instructions from his word through my male viewpoint, okay? It's important that I mention that up front. Many of us in the room or watching online are married or have been married or would like one day to be married or know people who are married or who were married, <laughs> or would one day like to be married. <laughs> in other words, this is for us, everybody. And I know this is not the typical message that I would share each week here at Celebration, but it is sizzling summer. And you know, as I listen and look at the current back and forth going on in our society again right now, after the Supreme Court ruling and Roe v. Wade, Um, it's clear to me that the church has been silent on many of God's truths for far too long, and people, even good people, are susceptible to bending with every emotional topic of the day. And without the truth of God's word, the reality is, friends, we're all susceptible to compound one problem after another. For instance, many have highlighted the need for ongoing care for lives in our society. And yes, that should and must include those uh, that would have been aborted. But in the midst of hearing increased calls for continued care after birth, I've not heard nearly enough about choices before pregnancy. And without a doubt, there are horrific sins. I'm going to read the rest of page one because of the sensitive nature of it. Without a doubt, there are horrific sins committed against others every day in our nation and in our world. And there's nothing that I'm about to cover in Scripture that defends an abuser or minimizes the trauma that you've suffered. But there is great strength in knowing that because of the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary, your suffering is only temporary. For there will be a day when every wrong is made right and every hurt is completely healed. Can I get a good amen? But until that day in glory, if that's you, I want to encourage you today, find a circle of people that you can trust. A circle that includes friends and mentors, even professionals. Find people that will help you navigate the reality of this broken world. And since this is really my largest avenue of influence here at Celebration Church, I'm gonna share some principles from scripture in my life about dating and relationships and my encouragement to swipe righteous. Now this message, um, as I mentioned, is because it's from my viewpoint, will not focus much, if at all, on the gift of long-term singleness. But we are a family here and each member of the family is valuable and important to the whole in different ways. And if you feel that you have the gift of long-term singleness, then you're probably more like the Apostle Paul than your pastor is. (laughs) Because the Apostle Paul was single, and in fact, he said he wished everyone had the gift of singleness. He said in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, I wish that all of you were as I am. Now, I'm a very gifted individual, according to my mom. (laughs) (laughs) But as my wife can attest, that is not one of my gifts. And I'm also aware that we've got different ages of people and different stages of life. And I'll be sensitive to that, but I believe this can help everybody here. I'd encourage you to get out your note sheet, take good notes. This might help your marriage. It might help somebody else's marriage. It might help your kids. It might help somebody that you've never met yet. But I want to help you today from God's word. Point number one, as Pastor Vicente mentioned to me, probably could and should be its own sermon. Uh, I might come back at another time. But let me just mention right off the top, number one, deal with your past before you build your future. This is important, friends. Deal with your past before you build your future. Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5 said, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are some of the benefits? He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. It's important that we remember that's the starting point. We don't jump ahead to any of the other benefits. We begin at the forgiveness of sin and the healing of all of our diseases. What happens next? Then he redeems your life from the pit and he crowns you with love and compassion. We need to be forgiven of our sin. We need to be healed of our diseases. We need to be redeemed from the pit. Then what happens? Then we can, can be crowned with love and compassion. And what happens? The result then, our desires will be satisfied. He'll fill our life with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. <laughs> That's the steps. That's the process. And friends, we need to deal with our past before we build our future. Now, here's the reality of our world today. I think it was probably true before today as well, but it's especially true today. It's become nearly impossible to live in this world completely spared from hurt hang-ups, and hold-ups. Almost each and every one of us can attest to this reality in our own life, or the lives of some in our family. It's nearly impossible in this current world and society to live completely spared from hurt, hang-ups, and hold-ups. Therefore, we all have a past. And the shocking reality for us is that our past is rarely where we think we left it. Because if we don't deal with it, our past isn't back there, it's right here with us in the present. And if we don't deal with our past now, it'll still be with us in the future. because this first point is very personal, I won't ask for any public response, but I think all of us should take personal inventory this morning. We we can think back to how we grew up. Why? Because the way that we were raised will deeply impact the way that we live. The way that we were raised, right? Some in this room watching online were abused by a parent or another trusted adult. It's not my testimony, so I can't fully identify with that, but I'm guessing you probably won't ever get over that type of hurt. But I do believe, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can move forward after it. You don't have to get over it, but you will eventually need to move forward from it. Any hurt from previous relationships will impact who you look for and who you are vulnerable with in the future. Right? let me give you some for instances. Again, some women who grew up without a father or a hurtful father seem to cling to ten, uh, tend to cling to unhealthy men. Some people who grew up in an abusive situation, probably and rightfully so, are untrusting of their next situations. Some men who grew up without a father, it does seem to be a recurring theme with a lot of the problems in our society. I would probably go as far as to say, if we had more men living according to the word of God, we wouldn't have nearly as many problems as we do in our nation today. I think the women can help too, but I'm quite confident if we had more men in our society living according to God's word, then we'd be in a lot better shape than we are today. Any previous hurts, relationships will impact who we're vulnerable with. Those women, uh, but you know, men who also grew up without a father tend to have, uh, can tend to have issues with authority or they may desire, I'm never going to be like him. They can often be prone to extremism one way or another to prove their point to whoever they're trying to make it to. But you know, it's not just those types of things in our past that we need to deal with before building our future. Financial stuff matters too. If you grew up extremely poor or very rich, you might have some unrealistic perspectives that will skew your future relationship goals. Or maybe if your parents were divorced, you already know firsthand, you've experienced that reality and statistics say you might be more likely to choose that path for yourself or perhaps because of that pain that you experienced, you become hyper-focused on avoiding it and therefore become hesitant to enter into any commitments and relationships. Whatever it is in your past, friends, I'm telling you, you can deal with it and have a great future. Why? Because a broken past does not. Somebody say, does not. A broken past does not prevent you from having a blessed future. That's so true, friends. It's good news for each of us that are here today. A broken past does not prevent you from having a blessed future. I love one of the things that kind of a famous pastor, Rick Warren, out in California, he said this. He said, we are all products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. We're all products of our past. Whatever we've done or was done to us, those are facts. Those are realities. We're products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. Ephesians chapter four, verses four and 21 uh, following. Chapter four, verses 21 to 24. So when you heard about Christ and when you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, this is good news. We don't have to be prisoners of it. This is what we were taught in Jesus. Verse 22, you were taught... "...with regard to your former way of life, with regard to your past, put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires." The first thing you've got to do is you've got to deal with your past. You've got to deal with your sinful nature. You've got to deal with what's being corrupted by deceitful desires. Then you can build your future, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, which is what? Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Just because other people have used righteousness and holiness to beat other people down and to bring shame on other people doesn't change what the truth of God's word. We are created to be like him in true righteousness and holiness. So just let me give two final things and then I'll move on to number two. By the way, each of these points has anywhere from like two to five subpoints. So it's like a forty-eight point message. <laughs> Welcome to Celebration <laughs> sizzling Summer. Um, if you're here and you've done something wrong, you haven't dealt with it today, repent of it. I can't make it any more simple or clear or plain today. Don't wait till it's too late. Make a decision today, repent of it. If you've done something wrong, repent of it. Now let me also say when it comes to dealing with your past, if something wrong was done to you. Release it to God. You don't need to carry that weight and that burden. What did Jesus say? Cast all your cares, or we were instructed, cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened and I'll give you rest. If something was done to you in your past, you can release it to God. And then by the way, we're willing to walk with you to see rights made wrong. Number two, this is probably a point where I will get more interaction from the crowd, <laughs> but I think number one was really important. At least it sounded like it in between services. Number two, um, if you're gonna swipe righteous, this is kind of like working towards how to get married or something like that. Number two, put yourself out there. hmm Now, again, it needs to be said, let me just mention, I said, put yourself out there. I did not say, put your body out there. Okay, let me just, but let's read it. I got Bible verses for each point, okay. Ruth, chapter three, verses three to nine, and I'll skip a few in the middle. This is what Ruth was told. You wanna get a man, Ruth. This is what she was told. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. If you want to be married, Put yourself out there. By the way, I think this applies to dudes as well. (laughs) Wash. (laughs) I'm helping somebody here today. (laughs) Put on some cologne and get dressed in your best clothes. Comfy pants were a blessing of COVID, but it's not how you get married. It's after you're married. Okay, (laughs) here we go. What is, uh, you know, she was told, uh, go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and cover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. Put yourself out there. Verse eight, in the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. (laughs) I am your servant, Ruth, she said. What did the Bible say? He who finds a wife, (laughs) even at the threshing floor, (laughs) finds what is good and receives the favor of the Lord. But ladies, let me just tell you, make it possible for us to find you. I mean, not us, like, because I've I've already found what I'm looking for, but I'm just saying, like, for the dudes, you know, help them out. Let me just give you a dude's perspective. I've been married for 15 years, and um, I still don't know what my wife is thinking. We don't know, we don't read minds. So just help us out, tell us you're interested in being found, give us a clue. I've talked to, uh, I've kind of been watching, you know, real estate, it's a hobby of mine. I have my real estate license out in Washington state. And um, I've lived in different places all around the country and there's a few realtor, or every realtor I've ever encountered does one thing the same. Now there will always be different marketing things on, but one thing they all do, if they're gonna sell your house, they put it on the market. Mhm, they tell everybody else, you can have this one. Ladies, let them know. you're available for business. <laughs> like I don't know, maybe not business, okay, that might be a bad. okay <laughs> okay, well, the analogy breaks down, okay. <laughs> And some of you are like, oh, I'm not going to put a for sale sign out there for my house. That's true. Tell somebody else at least, you know, because maybe you're like Norwegian. You're like, I'm very reserved. I'm not going to tell somebody I want to go on a date. Tell somebody else that you want to go on a date, right? Like just like people will come to my wife and they're like, ladies, tell my wife. If you're single, you're like, you want to get married, tell her <laughs> and we'll tell the dudes. And then you guys can figure it out from there. Okay, you know, but let somebody know. We don't know. The guys, let me give you another practical thing because some of you are like undercover agents working for the CIA. Just hold up in your house. You don't know. You're like, the Lord knows what I need. He'll send them to me, (laughs) which is fine if he works for Amazon, FedEx, or UPS, but everybody else. They're not coming to your house. You know, you got to get out there. (laughs) Some of you just living, you know, you're like, oh, you're so content. You got your life taken care of with your roommates. Let a brother know that you would like to go on a date. Because from our perspective, it looks like you got everything that you're looking for. If you're single and looking to mingle, tell somebody. (laughs) Let me just add, for those that are listening and those that aren't but are here... (laughs) You're going to listen, the points grow, it's awesome. Okay, um, I think church is a great place to meet people, right? Like, now, I just want to mention that the Celebration Church app, it's not a dating app. It's not like how that works, you know? I don't know, maybe we'll, but that's that's not how it works. But um, I just think if Jesus is a big deal in your life, then church is a good place to look. Um, Let me give some practical things. If you're single, looking to mingle, you're into to church, you want to be involved, sit up front and lift your hands in worship. If you're single, that's my ring, if you're single and you sit in the front and you lift both your hands, we'll know, look, there ain't no ring on it. <laughs> you're open, not for business, but for a date. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you like practical things. If you sit in the back and have your hands in your pockets, we don't know if you're married or not. Come up front, lift your hands and worship. If if you're not looking to go on a date, you can put a ring and that's fine. If it's your own, that's kind of weird, but whatever. Okay, so sit up front, raise your hands, it'll let people know. Uh, Get involved in a serve team, join a community group, go on a global trip. You might find yourself at the threshing floor and Boaz can take notice. (laughs) Let me give you some more things because God is sovereign, but you need to participate in his plan, right? Maybe you need to create a profile on a dating app. Or your friend will do it for you. I don't know. Uh, but if you do, just make sure you swipe righteous. Okay, that's, the, that's where that whole sermon title comes from. Some of you are like, well, I'm just waiting for the one. Let me tell you about the one. It's the one that you choose. That's not demeaning. That should be empowering to you. Right, because some people I see they are going through life in feel They're like, oh, I just I don't want to mess it up. Like the whole plan of humanity is resting upon your decision to go to Caribou with somebody or not. Come on, <laughs> like you can make that choice. There is I'm uh, happily married. I will add, but there is only one for me. But it's and there's only one for her. But it's the one that we chose. Because her dad told us we should choose each other. But that's a whole different arranged marriage story, right? Our own choices wasn't working out. So he was like, let me help. And we were like, thank you. Okay, so whatever that is. But, but don't live in fear of just waiting for the one. If you might like them and they ask you out, go on a date. Go to coffee. If you don't like them, don't go again. It's coffee. It's not a commitment, right? Right. Dating is not like eating your vegetables. It's not an acquired taste. If you go and don't like them, don't go again. Now, this applies for friendships, too. This isn't just, you know, dating relationships. I've mentioned this before. It's worth reminding, as we've got a lot of new people, um, there is no magic best friend fairy here at Celebration Church. Yeah, you you actually have to meet people. (laughs) Like, I don't know anyone. How many people did you introduce yourself to? You know, like if you show up late and you leave as soon as I'm done and you just walk out the lobby, how's anybody supposed to know who you are, right? There's no magic best friend fairy. Just come, get involved in a team, meet somebody. All right, number three. Now, I will admit there's a few rap song title points to come. So if you don't know 90s rap, don't go Googling it because I am not... Um, endorsing said songs. Number three, if she's worth it, he should work it. I'm telling you, Missy Elliott is getting Googled right now, and I told you not to do it. Okay, there was two people in the entire first service that knew who Missy Elliott was, by the way. Okay, that was willing to laugh about it, I should say. All right. Genesis chapter 29, verses 18 to 20. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other dude, so stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. Oh, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her you know that brother was in love because seven years is a long time. <laughs> I mean, we moved to Minnesota seven years ago and we've loved it, but it's been seven years. It ain't been seven days. <laughs> like, whoo, praise the Lord. All right, um, let me just, the next couple points are gonna be very practical. Again, I'm just trying to help somebody, help somebody's kids, help somebody's cousins, nephews, whatever. Ladies, make him work for it. Yeah, make him take some initiative in the relationship. Don't give it away for free. And don't do all of the work for him. You want to be his wife, not his mom. Let me just say this about a a dating process. I think you ought to test his leadership skills during the dating process. I think you ought to test his commitment and work ethic before you commit to him. Otherwise, I think you're actually enabling him, uh, his passive tendencies and his lazy approach in life. Let me say it another way, fellas. You should get a job before you get a date. I interviewed 10 women in between services and 10 out of 10 said a super attractive quality in a guy is a job. 11 out of 11, thank you, Mariah. (laughs) She'd like to vote twice for that one. Okay, so um, you don't have to be rich, but you do need to be proactive. Uh, I would encourage you men to be direct and ask her out on a date or coffee or whatever the kids are calling it these days. (laughs) Like back when I was in college going to coffee, like we actually sat there and drank the coffee and talked in the Starbucks. I saw uh, somebody the other day that was sitting in the Starbucks reading a newspaper with a cup of coffee. I was like, what psycho is this? He was just like by himself reading a newspaper doesn't he know it's a to-go coffee place? I don't even know. Okay, anyway, but whatever it's called, like, like ladies, look for a guy who can articulate his request to get to know you and not just a dude who comments on your Instagram, you're hot. <laughs> you're looking for a little bit more brain activity than heart face, heart face, heart face. don't lower your worth by accepting a low price. Yes. Ladies, I'm telling you, if you have to do all the pursuing now, you'll probably have to do all the leading later. Wow. So guys, let me just, uh, I'm going to say this because I already had some people in between services. They were like, I need to send that Sermon link to my kid or cousin, whatever. Let me just, I'm gonna give you a line. It's not like a pickup line, but I'm just like, guys, hey, fill in the blank. Like, you need a whole sentence. I would like to take you out and get to know you better. Can we go to dinner or get coffee together? See, like, it's a whole sentence. (laughs) You might even pick a time or a date, you know, a place, but just, you know, more than heartbeats hard face, hard face. Okay. Like we're looking for real communication skills. Ladies, I'm trying to, you know, I'm just talking to everybody. I don't know who I'm talking to, but ladies say yes or no. Don't over-spiritualize it. Church people, you get on my nerves. You're like, I'm going to pray about it. That's fine. Like real quick. But like you were up front, you were lifting both hands. There was no ring on the finger. You should have already prayed about it. Again, it's coffee. It's not a commitment. Like, you, you could go once and then leave. He's paying. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like, just yes or no. Don't string us along. Don't spiritualize it. Just grow up. Be a man or a woman and say it. Don't blame God. If you don't like it, just say, no, it wasn't awesome. I'm not going again. Just say it. If they can't handle the risk of rejection, then they aren't ready for a relationship. Number four. I'm trying. I really am. I'm, I'm giving you. Number four. <laughs> pursue friendship first. Pursue friendship first. Song of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse 16 said, This is my beloved. This is my friend. This is important today. I'm going to say, this is important, friend. <laughs> anyway, this is important that we pursue friendship first. My wife is my best friend. Unequivocally, unapologetically, There are uh, times that I play golf with the guys because that's my hobby, not hers. And she, at times, will go out with the girls way less often than I play golf with the guys because most of the time, we spend time with each other. And it's really not even close. And turns out, we like it that way. Because we love each other and we really do enjoy spending time together. Let me just mention another reason that you need to pursue friendship first is because if your dating relationship is physically based, um, how do I say this? (laughs) Norwegianly. That base gonna change later on. So you don't need a friendship base. What did Michael W. Smith say, the great theologian? He said, friends are friends forever (laughs) if the Lord's the Lord of them. Let me just say it this way, especially church people because that's who I'm talking to. I hope it'll help anybody. But if you pursue friendship, you can still be friends later if dating doesn't work out. But if you pursue physical stuff, it'll probably be awkward to be around each other if you break up. It's just the truth, right? So, I wrote down some other things like some steps. How do you pursue friendship while getting to know each other? This is the four subpoints of point number four. <laughs> number one, define the relationship. Are we just friends or is this becoming romantic? You just, if you can't talk about that, then you're going to have communication problems forever. It's not going to be good. Define the relationship. I remember uh, in college, I thought the relationship was going this way. This is before I met Dana, and uh, this other girl thought it was going this way. Turns out she was right, and we never went out again. Um, (laughs) Gotta define the relationship. (laughs) Evaluate compatibility, that's the second thing. Do our life goals align? Like faith, family, finances, like, is this gonna work? You talk about it now. Here's a third thing that I think you should do. You should get wise counsel. Because when you are hot and like, you don't know really what to think. Besides heart face emoji, heart face emoji, heart face emoji. <laughs> Get wise counsel. Ask your parents, ask your friends, ask your pastors. <laughs> Get wise counsel. I was talking to somebody else this week about somebody else. So it's like multiple arm's length and they weren't even asking their friends about something. I was like, that's because they know what their friends are going to tell them. They're like, dude, it's trouble. So if you can't ask the people you trust, all right. And then the fourth thing, I would just say, regulate your alone time together. Uh, Like pace yourself. You don't have to cram six months into six weeks. The Lord's coming back soon, but he has been waiting a while, so it can, I'm just saying, all right. All right if your friends have texted you lately asking if you're still alive because you recently started dating somebody, you might be isolating a little bit too much. (laughs) Let me also just mention that this dating thing, parents, especially church parents, chill, (laughs) right? The first time they go to coffee does not mean they need to get married and give you grandkids. So many people Again, especially in the church, put undue pressure on others by increasing the timeline of their relationship. Number five, prioritize purity. Thankfully, this one has five subpoints. All right, prioritize purity. Song of Solomon, chapter three and verse five. Promise me, O woman of Jerusalem, and everybody who will hear, by the gazelles and the wild deer, do not awaken love until the time is right. Prioritize purity. Jesus uses human marriage as a metaphor for his love for the church. And in marriage, we know two becomes one. Sex is the most intimate form of bonding to seal that covenant commitment. But let me just mention again, since it seems unclear or people are confused in our society right now and even in some churches, any sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage is sin. Prioritize Purity. It's important that we use the word purity here because I remember what my youth pastor told me uh, back in high school. He said uh, abstinence is for a season, but purity is for a lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember when he told me? He said, "Oh, I've been married ten years. Purity still needed." Like, oh, you're married. You can have sex. I don't get ad. Purity, it's for a lifetime. There's always an opportunity to choose sin. And you know, right now it seems like there's a lot of people who are believing common lies or making similar excuses about their lack of purity. Let me give you five of them. These are not exclusively all of them, but it's five subpoints for number five. The first lie that's a common lie or excuse that people make about a lack of purity is, well, it's not wrong because we love each other. Wrong. You're wrong that it is wrong. Or not wrong. It is wrong. Wrong. (laughs) You see, I've read the Bible cover to cover, and I don't find any biblical distinction between loving and just liking sexual relations. Right? It's married, not married. Sexual activity within marriage, God's boundaries, the blessings of his boundaries. Sexual activity within marriage is blessed and sexual activity outside of marriage. The Bible describes as fornication or sexual immorality. It's the first lie. Here's the second lie that a lot of people are telling themselves and they try to tell other people. Well, we're planning to get married someday so it makes it okay. Eh. Wrong again. 0 for 2. I've got 5. That's like somebody going to the grocery store, stealing groceries, and then after they get caught telling the clerk, well, I was going to pay for it next year. We don't accept that logic anywhere else, but we're telling ourselves that when it comes to impurity. Genesis twenty-nine, twenty-one. Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to get to know her better. Your translation says something different. The truth is our intentions are irrelevant our actions are what matters. Are you married? Number 3, here's another lie that people are telling themselves these days. Well, the times have changed and the Bible's wrong about what it considers sin today. Wow. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 I would like four buzzers on that one. Okay, Galatians chapter five. That was a weak buzzer, by the way. I don't know what it was. Galatians chapter five, verses 19 to 21. Listen, this is a bunch of people, actions that people make that will not inherit the kingdom of God. God makes this very clear. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, most of the passages in scripture that condemn sexual immorality also include things on the list like lying and stealing, And yet it doesn't seem that we struggle nearly as much by defining those things as sins. So why is it that we lie to ourselves and say sexual immorality is not a sin anymore? Number four, the sub point of number five. (laughs) Here's another lie. People are telling themselves, well, I can still have a good relationship with God because he understands what I want. (laughs) Also wrong. Look at this, Proverbs 28, verse 9. God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. So it makes no sense for God to ignore the truth, and I wonder why we are as well. All right, number five. This might be the biggest or, or the most frequent Misunderstanding, lie that we're telling ourselves as a people in society, well, you can't judge me. Wow. Here's the problem, and this is so widespread right now. I think there's a misunderstanding of the scripture when it comes to these kind of things. What do we read? Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. So clearly to me, at least in these days that we're living in, it seems that most people don't actually understand what it means to judge. Biblical judgment, as we'll see here in a minute in the book of Hebrews, carries with it punishment or condemnation there's a finality to biblical judgment. And friends, that is where it is not our job to judge. It is not our job to condemn or to bring punishment upon them as that final act of punishment for their acts. However, we are to judge as far as evaluate, pay attention, make logical decisions from the conclusions that were brought to by someone's Actions. We see this in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. It says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. So God will do the judging as far as the punishment, the condemnation, the finality of it, but we all are to judge and speak up or another way to bring correction. Why? Because it's through that correction, that rebuke that they can be restored. It's not loving for me to let you sin and let sin abound and say nothing. As my calling. As your shepherd, it's my biblical mandate to bring correction through the word of God to the actions of your life. But I don't bring judgment that says you have, this is the final end. This is, this is your opportunity to make a change. And if you're here, and before I move on, and you're stuck in sin, This is your moment. You're not here by accident on this day. I I hardly ever preach on stuff like this, although maybe I need to do it more often, but this is your time to repent. This is your time to change. Don't wait any longer. If there's still breath in your lungs, you've got opportunity today. Don't leave the way that you came. Leave free in Jesus' name. All right, number six. Put a ring on it. Yeah, another, another way to say this could be, if you know, you know and then let her know. Amen. Okay, put a ring on it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 9. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. I would like to highlight that this is point number six, so we should not hurry through or skip the first five. Even though he said, hey, it's better to marry than burn with passion, I'm telling you, don't skip the process just because you got passion. Another way to say this is don't get engaged just because your friends or family say you should pop the question. Right? You both, you two, need to decide is this your one for the rest of your lives? Then, if you do put a ring on it, let me give some... uh, wisdom or my perspective on it. Um, I recommend as short of an engagement as possible to plan the ceremony. (laughs) Now, like if you're in a long distance situation because of school or deployment, you can probably remain holy for that. But I'm just saying everybody else, all the normal people, if you know like what the date at the venue is going to be, just find out how long do you need to plan it and don't put a ring on it till absolutely the last time because i am trying to figure out how do I say this again, Norwegian. Um, the desires don't diminish after you put a ring on it. Some you like, what desires? I'll tell you later. <laughs> and everybody that laughed could tell you as well. It's, that's what I'm saying. Like, short of an engagement as you need to plan the ceremony. Um, also, let me just mention that engagement will bring added pressure and strains to your relationship. How do I know? Even Mary and Joseph almost called it quits during their engagement. <laughs> it's true. You're going to have money struggles and strains. How are we going to pay for it? You're going to have family opinions. You're working on planning. Your, your whole conversation is about getting married, but you don't have the joy of being married. You know what joy I'm talking about? I'll tell you later. That's the same <laughs> desire that doesn't diminish. If you, Okay, praise the Lord. All right. Uh, so one of those things, once you're in that time, maybe even before you're there, but we uh, always recommend premarital counseling. Um, we do it in group style most of the time now at Celebration because it's awesome to learn more about each other, but also to meet other people in a similar life stage as you. Um, in that time, that premarital counseling, I would encourage you, ask the tough questions. Because it's better to call off an engagement than for a marriage to fall apart. This is your time, before it's legally official, to really find out, have we dealt with both of our pasts? And please, uh, for the love of everything, I don't know, don't get married just to have sex. A lot more hours in the day. (laughs) And then you're married. It's a recipe for disaster because I don't know who wrote this, but marrying actually means to double your duties and to have your rights. You're not going into marriage about, oh, this is what I'm finally gonna get. If you really understand marriage, if you wanna be a good spouse, a good partner, you need to think this is what I'm gonna give. Some people are waiting too long to put a ring on it. You're like, oh, we need to afford a bigger ring, a better wedding. Eh, if you know, you know, put a ring on it. All right, get close enough. Don't buy into the modern fairy tale weddings that are costing as much as a house, hmm. or at least a house used to cost. Now it's a house down payment. <laughs> Just get married. <laughs> Some people are like, yeah, but pastor, a diamond is forever. No, it's not. Go to the pawn shop. There are a lot of diamonds that weren't forever. just saying. Number seven. I'll <laughs> close. All right. Ashton, are you playing this time? Yeah, yeah come on up. That's fine. This is number seven. Uh, don't quit once you commit. It's important. I'm going to read some scripture. I think has gotten twisted here lately as well, but this is important. This is for all of us as well. Don't quit once you commit. You need to say, I love you more often than just during the wedding ceremony. Don't quit once you commit. If you liked it, put a ring on it. Figure out again why you liked it in the first place. You know, whatever. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter seven, verses two to five. But since sexual immorality is occurring, now he wrote this to the church in Corinth, but it sounds like it could be for us today too. Since sexual immorality is occurring, He's not saying it's good that it's occurring. He's just dealing with the reality that because this is what people are choosing to go their own way, he gives instructions. He says each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. Didn't say with his own girlfriend. Didn't say with his own one night, whatever, with his own wife. Be a grown-up. If you want to do grown-people stuff, be a grown-up married grown-up. And each woman with her own husband. Then these are some verses that I think I'll talk about in the end as I close. I think have been Uh, distorted a little bit lately but it says the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband the wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body but yields it to his wife do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self control amen okay (laughs) let me just say it this way we need to date our mate, or somebody else will try to. Workplace compliments are only listened to if that's the only place they hear them. By the way, your coworker doesn't appreciate you more than your spouse. Your coworker just doesn't have to pick up your dirty laundry at home. If they saw how much of a slob you were, they wouldn't give you as many compliments, okay? But I'm just saying, date your mate. Don't quit once you commit. Now, let me give you some practical ways, face-to-face, shoulder-to-shoulder, back-to-back. I think dates ought to involve a lot of face-to-face time. But the key to a face-to-face conversation is it should be a non-confrontational conversation. It's one of the reasons why I think a lot of our disagreements discussions right now online are ineffective. Because it's just face-to-face, screen-to-screen. It's just face-to-face. And what happens is when there's a disagreement and we're face-to-face mathematically, one will win and one will lose. And that's no way to go through life in a marriage, in a relationship. One winner, one loser. It may feel good to be the winner, but newsflash, that means you married a loser. It means you didn't have much wisdom and it makes them feel bad, right? So so face-to-face, what should you do when you're face-to-face? Smile. Some of you hadn't done that in a while, looking at that person in the eye. If you've been fighting a ton, when's the last time you just looked face to face, weren't fighting about the bills, weren't talking about anything else, and just smiled, looked into the eyes, and remembered what brought you together in the first place. Maybe it was an arranged marriage like in my family, but I'm just saying, when you went to coffee, like 100 years ago, 71, like Dale, when... When you first went to coffee, when you first went to the restaurant, you weren't fighting about retirement date and you weren't fighting about kids' college and how you're gonna pay the mortgage. When you were just in like, you were face-to-face, you were eye-to-eye and you smiled. When's the last time you did that? So let me just like give you another practical deal. Go on a fun date again. I remember that we were in... uh, Nepal. Dave and we were sitting there talking and a bunch of the guys on the trip were um, more mature than us, had more wisdom in life. (laughs) More mature, that's also factual. They were older and uh, sharing their wisdom in life. But one of the things I never forget, Dave, when we were you, we were talking, you know, about life and finances and planning and he said, date night, important deal. It's important. My wife and I, we got four kids. It's important. She can have an adult conversation. It's important get dressed up. We go to dinner. It's important. How are you going to pay for it? We're going to figure it out. If you can't afford to, we can't afford not to. I remember that conversation. Go on fun date again. doesn't have to be expensive to be memorable, or maybe a better way to say it doesn't need to be expensive to be important. Regular meals throughout the week often aren't expensive, but they're important. <laughs> you can't just wait for Thanksgiving and Christmas for the big dinner. <laughs> Woo! You know, great. Like, go do something fun. You just eye to eye, face to face. Make sense? All right, next thing is shoulder-to-shoulder time. Do something together. By the way, I found that when you're shoulder-to-shoulder, you're out for a walk, you're walking somewhere, that's the time when your discussion can be something more controversial, but it won't bring as much division. Because when you're walking shoulder-to-shoulder, it reminds you we're in this together. It's not me versus you, it's now us versus them. Hey, here's something that was going on. There's something about when you're looking at the other person in the eye, you can't help part of our human conditions. we put on. So go shoulder to shoulder so we can go through this. Shoulder to shoulder time reminds us we're on the same team. Yeah. Well, I remember that in some conversations when my wife would look at me, she's like, whose team are you on? What were we doing? We were having um, intense disagreement. <laughs> I was going to say fighting, but you know, pastors, we don't fight, you know, <laughs> intense disagreement, <laughs> face-to-face. And it was in that moment she had to say, whose team are you on? Because I was making like some dumb argument about defending the person on TV, and she said something that may not have been right, but like I was defending somebody on TV, like they know or give a rip who I am. <laughs> I got a lot smarter in my 15 years, you know, it took me a while though, you know, shoulder to shoulder, reminds you we're partners, we're in this together. We're going to go through life together. Let me also just say back to back. This is where you ought to fight. Against the enemy, not against each other. Back to back's the place to fight, right? You, 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 I've got your back. You've got mine. You can see the enemy and you'd be reminded it's not your spouse. <laughs> your spouse was a gift from God, not the enemy of God, right? So you're back to back. You're fighting. But let me just say this be careful that you don't spend too much time back to back. Like physically speaking, that's a a battleship position, not a love position. But if you always are in a fighting stance, you gotta come back to that face-to-face to smile. To just enjoy. No one can fight for everything all the time. There are some days where you got to say, today can't be back to back. We need some face to face, we need some shoulder to shoulder. I close with this 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14. Do everything in love, do everything in love. You know, as we looked at this text, I think there's been a lot of guilt, shame, and condemnation put on people, and I just want to say, maybe you're here today, you're hearing all this, and you say, well, Pastor Derek, my spouse isn't fulfilling my needs. What should I do? Well, uh, in a moment, I'm going to pray for all of us, but after that, I would say it's probably will begin with having an honest conversation with your spouse, You know, ladies, a lot of guys, we don't know, maybe guys, just an honest conversation. Now, because that's going to be a little controversial, shoulder to shoulder, go for a walk. Face to face, now it's you, me, right? Shoulder to shoulder. You know, after that honest conversation, you might need to sign up for counseling. You might need to talk with somebody who's got some training. You you might need to see somebody, like, they do this for a living. Like, oh, it's expensive. First of all, it's probably cheaper than divorce. But even if it wasn't, we all make a way for what's valuable, what we deem valuable. I think setting aside that time, that money, will create, will remind us, and will tell our spouse, remind them again how valuable they are to us. An honest conversation, sign up for some counseling. You know, the reality is there might be some things in the past that need to be dealt with in order to move forward and build your future together. Right? But what do we say? There's, there's nothing, a broken past doesn't stop us from having a blessed future. But it will if we don't talk about it, work through it, get some help from other people that have been there and done that. Why? Because nothing in this message, no sexual relations between a man and a woman, that marriage relationship, nothing should be used to bring pain or shame to the other person, right? But both parties, if they love each other, should seek ways to experience all that God has for you in your earthly union together. But like Paul said, to bring clarity to that list, everything should be done in love. And that's what I'm going to pray for today. That we would leave with a greater understanding, a greater revelation of God's love for us and our love for one another. Would you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for three different prayers, or I'm gonna pray for three different groups of people in this prayer. I'm not gonna ask anybody to raise their hand or indicate their response in any way. This is gonna be a corporate prayer, but a private response. I'm gonna pray for those that have committed sin. They've been doing things their own way. They've not been leading their lives in accordance with God's word. And I'm gonna pray today that you'd repent, that you'd turn from your sin, turn to Jesus Christ and live for him. That you'd put off the old self. It's bringing destruction and decay. Instead, surrender your life and your ways to Jesus. Second group of people I'm gonna pray for is people who've had sinful things done to you horrible acts, decisions that were out of your control, lies that the enemy has whispered into your ear, into your soul for so long saying, you're not valuable, you're not worth it. I'm gonna pray for you and remind you of the truth of God's word, that Jesus said you're so valuable, he gave his life for you. And I'm gonna pray that you'd be encouraged and strengthened today then I'm gonna pray for all of us as a people and yes, even as a society that more and more we'd be people who'd live according to the word of God when it's not convenient, when it's not easy that we'd remain committed to his truths to live and swipe righteous. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. I pray even now on behalf of these people gathered in the room. Watching online, maybe watching at a later time. I pray, first of all, for these men or women who are gathered here whenever they watch, if they've been living in sin, they've been crossing boundaries that you set up for their protection, they've been doing things that they ought not, they've not been living according to your word and your ways. I pray today that they'd repent. They would turn from their wicked ways. Abandon their selfish desires. And they would leave those things behind and they would turn to you today. That they'd place their hope and their trust in you, Lord Jesus. If if they had previously claimed to have been following you but were not living according to your word, I pray that today would be a change. there's a man here under the sound of my voice, been living with his girlfriend, not living according to your ways, not making her his wife, sinning against her and against you, I I pray that he'd turn from his ways today, 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 that he would find the freedom that's found in following you. Lord Jesus, I also pray for those women and men, both, whose statistics say the numbers are way too high, or some sinful act was committed against them, or seemingly innocence was taken, was exchanged for shame, guilt, and condemnation. Today, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you wrap your arms of love around them? Remind them of their incredible worth and incredible value that nothing that our Father has put in them can be taken by anyone else, including the enemy. God, I pray for their mind, their heart, their soul. Restore unto them the joy of their salvation. Strengthen them today. Help them to get the help that they need. Might be somebody to talk with or pray with. Might be somebody to walk them through that devastation might be a trusted person who walk with them to authorities. Whatever it is, God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit you'd strengthen your people today, that we could live as glorious testimonies of your goodness and your grace. Father, I pray for specifically our church, but yes, even those in our nation and yes, around the world, I pray. I pray that men would, live according to your word, that they would honor their sisters in Christ, not dishonor, not devalue, not diminish. Pray that your precious daughters would live lives that reflect the great price, Lord Jesus, that you paid for them. I pray for each and every one of us, may we live lives worthy of the calling that we've received. That we could go into this clearly so hurting world with a message of hope and love. The greatest love of all. that Our Heavenly Father sent the Son, Jesus. That while we were still sinners, Lord Jesus Christ, you died for us. Because of your death and resurrection, now each and every one of us can live forgiven and free and experience all the good things that you've planned for us. Help us to be your light shining in these dark spaces. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Amen. That help you today? Amen.
0: We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.